Hey guys, welcome back to The Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. My name's Ed Mora, and I will be, as ever, your host. This is episode 102 for those of you that have been following along. If not, that's quite alright. This is a brand new story involving Usagi. Not really any catch-up need to be done. If you want to tweet me, you can do so at Teal Productions, Teal like the color. The Ronin Rabbit has a Google Plus page on Facebook, I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo page. BigTimeNoise.com slash RoninRabbit, the website where the episodes are posted and you can comment there. If email is your shtick, UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the one to use. Usagi Ojimbo Volume 3, Issue 28 from Dark Horse Comics, dated April 1999, is the book. The story is entitled The Courtesan. Now, on the first page, we see Usagi as he's passing a noodle stand. And what caught my attention was an individual standing here in the noodle stand, or near the noodle stand, waiting to purchase. Very much looks like um, Daniel or the original Sandman from the Vertigo imprint Sandman comic from uh, DC. I'm not sure, and I, and I want to say that that very much looks like uh, the portrayal of a particular artist named Asano, perhaps, A-S-A-N-O, that at some point teamed with Neil Gaiman to um, concoct a particular story for the Sandman, but it definitely caught my attention that that looks like the Sandman, perhaps the, the Daniel incarnation. But we see Usagi as he's walking down an alley. He suddenly hears a noise and turns quickly and sees a female um, rush uh, run by the point of view that he has. Now, he is in an alley, so he is looking up the alley towards the T intersection with the next street, sees this female run across that point of view in the alley. And then, of course, a second or two later, he sees the shuffling running of a group of hooded men, much like the men in hoods that he saw at the end of the previous issue chasing her. In that she is sorely outnumbered, Usagi decides that he should go and see what is going on if, if you know there is something improper. So he runs back down the alley and comes out, catches up with everybody and sees that the hooded figures have indeed uh, grabbed, captured, however you want to put it, the female that he saw running by. Um, Usagi charges at him, yelling, what's going on? Release her. Who are you? Uh, they decide that Usagi is not going to stop them, and so they counter-rush him drawing their swords, at which point Usagi then draws his sword. Initially, he did not. Uh, we see that he is running holding the scabbards to make it easier to run, but he has not drawn. He, he's not even grasped the pommel. Um, or, excuse me, the subsequent Japanese term for the pommel of the sword, which I'm sure there is one, but off the top of my head, I don't know it. Uh, he rushes at them and starts dispatching them. One, two. He's dispatching the third when the fourth back, who is holding the female uh, by the arm, says, Those incompetents, I'll have to handle him myself. And he throws her to the ground. And he then rushes and is dispatched by Usagi. Sheathing his sword, he walks up to the woman who is kneeling, um, both because that's where she was thrown by the 
uh, hooded person, but also, I believe, out of respect for her savior here. Uh, he introduces himself as Maimoto Usagi. She thanks him, and he tries to engage her in conversation, but she won't converse, saying she can't wait around. She needs to continue going to where she was when she was waylaid by these men. Usagi indicates, well, wait, we need to report this you know, four dead people in the alley. And she's like, no, no, you don't want to do that either because that'll raise more questions than you have answers for. And I'm out of here. So she takes off. Usagi hangs for a second, but then he's like, yeah, she's, she's absolutely right. So he goes on his way, leaving these, these people in the alley. Uh, the next morning, I would assume at an inn that looks to be very full. Uh, this is also, well, I'll, I'll get into that here in a minute. Um, eating breakfast. The food doesn't seem the best, but it's there. It's cheap. So Usagi uh, is is trying to finish breakfast when somebody rushes in from outside. Hey, everybody, you've got to see this. Lady Maple, the beautiful courtesan, is leading her procession through town. Everybody rushes out to see it, including Usagi. And we have a two-page, two-third page, okay, uh, panel of the procession walking down the street. We see both sides of the street. Usagi standing to the side here. Lady Maple and her retinue. And immediately you can tell that this one young lady following Lady Maple is the young lady that Usagi rescued from the um, hooded men just a couple pages ago. Interesting. Uh, set up. She has much, much clothing on. She has many combs and hairpins in her hair. She's standing on shoes that are probably 8 to 10 inches tall, maybe a foot platform off the ground. And uh, I believe I'll mention that perhaps with a, a more appropriate term here at the end of the story. Usagi is taken by her beauty, and as she's walking by, she turns and smiles, perhaps at Usagi, but there are several people standing there, so maybe she's just smiling at them in general. It's hard to tell. As they're passing by, as the retinue continues to go by, Usagi recognizes this one young lady. And then after everybody passes, you have all the male members standing here in a panel, along with Usagi, arguing over who Lady Maple turned and smiled at. Um, Later on that evening, as they're eating dinner, and uh, I believe they're the... the, It doesn't matter. Um, Someone comes in with a message for Usagi, calls it a tenbeni. Usagi's, you know, asks, well, what is that? And the person says, wow, you really are naive, aren't you? And it's like, well, you know, I don't know what it is either. So it's me and Usagi, I suppose. And he's told by the the person who is the innkeeper, perhaps, or a, um, a cook or something like that. It's a letter from a courtesan. Is a tenbeni. T-E-N-B-E-N-I. Tenbeni? Tenbeni? Uh... Usagi uh, starts to take it, and one of the other men grabs it out of his hand and starts reading it, and Usagi has to grab it back. Turns out that Lady Maple wants to see Usagi, wants to meet him personally. Um, Usagi asks the people there in the inn where he's at, and they tell him, we'll just go down this way, and 
as you go down that way, you'll run into people who can tell you directly where to, which I just thought was kind of an odd way to go about it. As enraptured by Lady Maple and with knowledge of what a Tenbeni is, you would think that these people would be able to say, it's two streets down and three streets west, and it's the, you know, tell them exactly what the building looked like. But they were very wishy-washy about it. As Usagi proceeds down through that part of town, he starts seeing more and more revelers, drunk people, uh, gentlemen. He sees a couple uh, courtesans or maybe maybe courtesan attendants walking around too. The the numbers increase, you know, telling him that their like home base is nearby. Finally, he walks up to a building and says, "Excuse me, I am Miyamoto Usagi. I received this letter. Ah, of course, Usagi-san. Lady Maple has been anxiously awaiting you." And so she escorts him in. Um, there's a, a cool little gate here on the fence that immediately surrounds Lady Maple's house. It is the the gate swings from a pivot point at the top, and to get in, you use a prop um, that is a pole, and you push the bottom. Right, swinging the gate into the courtyard, and then set the pole in the ground, propping the gate up so that you can pass underneath it. I just thought that was kind of a cool um, effect. You know, I don't know that it's any better or worse than other gates, but just an, an interesting setup. And he is admitted to Lady Maple, and sees immediately that the immediate attendant to Lady Maple is the girl from earlier. Turns out her name is Yoshina. Lady Maple has invited Usagi, invites him to stay the night, enjoy the um, amenities that Lady Maple has to offer, a nice place to sleep and food. I don't know that she is offering female companionship, although I guess it wouldn't be surprising. But she is thanking Usagi for helping her attendant Yoshino in the recent um, troubles that she had, shall we say. So after the discussion of what's going on and why, Yoshino leads Usagi, shows him his quarters for the evening, and then leaves him. Later that night, he is standing on his porch, uh, thinking about the meal that he just had and uh, where he is and what he is seeing and how it's better than what the inn was. And, you know, kind of that, I think, situation of where he is comparing two, two social strata, perhaps, and comparing and contrasting what it must be like to be in those strata. The samurai at this time were... They were supposed to be a strata of their own, but with being a ronin, he was not necessarily able to take advantage of that particular strata, so that automatically placed him in another strata, but he is able to access the upper strata. It's it's kind of an interesting place to be a ronin samurai, as it's been, in my mind, depicted here by Mr. Sakai. But Usagi is contemplating all that, and he sees... Yoshino exit uh, a side gate there, and he sees that she's acting very nervous, almost, you know, very cognizant of who sees her and, and, and what sees her. So he decides, well, you know, she's already run afoul once, plus she's acting kind of odd. I'll, I'll follow her just to make sure she 
she stays safe. So he does follow her, and he sees that she ducks into uh, uh, maybe a shop of some sort, and then leaves, but he notices that the person leaving is walking a little differently, holding themselves a little differently. Well, that's not her. So he stands and continues to watch the shop, and he sees Yoshino actually exit, going in a different direction. Now her, he follows until she goes into a little hut here on the outskirts of town, uh, rushes into the... Or no, let's see, what happened here? Oh, uh, as he's standing watching her, he hears a commotion down the street and whips around to look down the street and sees a handful of these hooded men. Uh, Six, seven, eight, it's really hard to tell because they're so far away at this point. But now he knows that it's only a matter of time before they find out which of these places Yoshino is because they're uh, rolling all of the inhabitants in this little part of town here. So he rushes over to where he saw Yoshino go into this particular hut, and when he runs in, he sees her, a young child, Kotaro, and an older woman, Chio, all sitting here on a, on a platform. She, um, Yoshino, at first is upset by the intrusion, but then he tells her uh, there's several of those hooded dudes bearing down on your location. We need to do something because they'll find you. It's only a matter of time at this point. So Yoshino makes plans. She tells Usagi to take Kotaro, who is a a young child, um, not even talking yet uh, in age, can stand, but is not speaking, Uh, just making BLXT is the first one, and then GLBX is the second. So, uh, making syllables, I guess. Her, Yoshino, and Chio will distract the people. They will, the the, um, hooded men, they will be the the decoy, allowing Usagi and Kotaro to rush off somewhere uh, and do something. As long as Kotaro is safe, I, I would imagine the assumption is Yoshino will find them, uh, take back the child, or tell Usagi whatever is going on, and you know continue on. Well, Usagi gets away with the baby, but doesn't get completely away. He stands, stay, stays to where he can keep an eye on what's going on. Uh, Yoshino and Chio say their final. I respect you, and you respect me, and you know we, we know what must be done. And then they fold up a fake baby and run out, causing the hooded men to run after them. As they're running, Chio decides she's going to turn around, pull a knife, and further delay them, but she does not do so for very long. Uh, she's old. She's a female who probably does not know how to fight. She is quickly dispatched. As Yoshino is running, one of the hooded men uh, jumps her from a from a side alley, uh, cuts her off, and she is captured. As she is being marched to, as a captive, wherever these hooded men are from, she passes and sees Usagi's vantage point, and he is contemplating drawing his sword and attacking this group to free her, but she shakes her head and warns him off. At no, at, at any cost, apparently, Kotaro must be kept safe, which means ultimately the child is who they are after. So they go on. Uh, the baby has now fallen asleep. Usagi turns to him, her, 
Kotaro, I don't know, maybe that's a male name, and um, says out loud, who are you? And then ducks, you know, clutches the child and runs off in a in another direction to find somewhere that he he can hide himself and the child. And that is the end of part one. Now here um, we have some information in the letters page. We are told that from issue 23 and 24, or no, farther than that, the Grasscutter Saga, I forget what issues those were exactly, that General Aikida is the same lord under whom Sanshobo served, and that Lord Noriyuki is approximately 10 to 12 years of age as as of right now when this is being written. Then we get into some uh, information about this story that we just covered here. Mr. Sakai tells us that the yearly courtesan procession was a sight to behold. The Oran, with her retinue, made an appearance in her finest gowns of foot-high black lacquered clogs called Matsubo no Kuro Nurigeta. Her costume was so voluminous and heavy, 50 pounds or more, that she had to be assisted by one or two waikamono, or male servants, of the brothel, on whose shoulders she could lean. Her skirts were tied up for easier walking, allowing spectators a view of her bare, white feet. Now, uh, J.E. Becker, in The Nightless City, described it thusly. The sight of a lovely and bewitching Yuzhou clad in rich silk brocades brocades? Is that how you pronounce that? Hmm. Glittering with gold and polychromatic tints of her wonderful pyramidal coiffure coiffure, ornamented with numerous tortoiseshell and coral hairpins so closely thrust together as to suggest a halo of light encircling her head and her stately graceful movements as she swept slowly and majestically through the nokonocho must indeed have appeared magnificent and awe-inspiring to the uninitiated. Uh, Mr. Sakai continues, The Oran was a courtesan of high status. The term was supposedly derived from Oranoane, or my elder sister, a term of respect used by apprentice courtesans in the Yoshiwara pleasure districts of Edo. The Oran should not be confused with the geisha, or uh, geisha is interpreted as art person, who were women skilled in dancing, singing, playing musical instruments, and conversation. The geisha still exist, but the oran, as portrayed in period movies and art, have all but disappeared. Hmm. I wonder what the difference is. There are still processions, however. The Bunsui Oran Doshu in Nashikabara, Niigata Prefecture, is celebrated annually the third Sunday in April, and the Sentesai Matsuri in Shimono Naseki, Yamaguchi Prefecture, dates back to the times when court ladies became widows of husbands lost in war and became courtesans. In sympathy, women donned the ceremonial attire to honor them. He says the visual for Lady Maple was inspired by the character Agemake from the kabuki play Sukuroku Yukari no Eduzakura. References for all of this can be found in Kabuki Costume by Ruth M. Shaver, 1966, Kabuki, 18 Traditional Dramas by Toshio Kawataki and Akira Iwata, 1985, 
uh, Japanese Festivals by Heron Bauer and Sherwin Carlquist, 1965, with additional information taken from Samurai Part 2 Duel at Ishoji Temple, uh, which is a movie, and an episode of Kageno Gundan, the episode titled Two Faces Art of The Two-Faced Art of Kanoichi, which is a uh, Kage no Gundan is a um, a ninja television series from the early 80s. It was four seasons long, and each season showed uh, a portion of or centered on a particular famous ninja from from history. Apparently, all factual uh, as far as the individuals, not fictional. So that would be something interesting to uh, to look up. Particularly for me, the the eighties, early eighties to mid eighties is my favorite period of uh, Japanese movies and television from of, of this style. I think they really just hit their stride then, and and really, I have seen the stuff I have seen has been some really entertaining stuff for me personally. Okay, so um, not really any terms. The tenbeni, which is the letter from a courtesan, and the um, person who received it also indicated that it was special because the edges of the letter were red, which I guess made it stand out, or maybe it was sealed in something, or that was some sort of perfumey thing. You know, there, there could be myriad reasons why it was done that way to set it apart, but it was done, I guess, is, is, the, is the point. Next time out, Usagi Ujimbo, Volume 3, Issue 29, from Dark Horse Comics, dated May 1999. And by all accounts, that's going to be a continuation of the courtesan story that we started in this issue. I'll talk to you guys next time. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives, 3.0, Unported License.